Trust that's your testimony. I like the old time singing, shouting. Amen. That's not just talking about a year and a bit ago when everyone could get together. I like to go back when they could sing in a jail. Amen. When it didn't matter the circumstances, we got something to sing about, something to shout about. Amen. Doesn't matter if your coworkers are playing some horrible music. You got something you can sing the praises of God about and say, Lord, I'm just going to hum a little song in my heart Amen. and say, Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen. So good to be in the house of the Lord again. Unfortunately, I wasn't able to be here this morning, but Brother Ed, I know you're streaming, and I'll say God bless you. I uh, had one thing to say about that, church, that service. That's nothing but the truth. Amen. We are privileged to hear what we've heard today. Not just to hear it, but to have ears that can receive it. Amen, amen. Let's take our Bibles together. We'll just turn to the Word. And I had thought to sing a song, but we're still in this thing called time. Yeah. You know, soon it's, or very quickly, it's fading into eternity, but we're still here. So we'll try and abide by the laws of time tonight and Trust will get you out on a good time. So I know you've all been waiting to come back to church for three weeks just so you could get back out again. Sorry, I just wanted to put it back on you for a minute and say, I know that ain't true. <laughs> I know you've been waiting to get back in the house of the Lord so you can worship the Lord and hear the word and be in his presence. Amen. 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 Before we read, maybe let's just go to the Lord in prayer and invite the author tonight. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, we truly love you, Lord. And we don't just say it to say it again, but it's been good to be in your house, Lord. And we're so thankful for the Friday night youth service, how you spoke to our hearts. And Lord, we're thankful, Lord, for a young brother like Brother John who'd labor in the word and Give his heart to it, Lord. And Father, may you bless him, Lord Jesus. Father, thank you for Brother Ed this morning, Lord. Father, we know it wasn't a man, but those were the words of eternal life that come straight from the throne of God. Lord Jesus, we want to give you all the glory and the honor and the praise. Lord Jesus, that it wasn't just the message of Jesus Christ and the message of William Branham. It was the message of Jesus Christ and the bride. It was the message of Jesus and every individual, Lord, that we can put our name in there and say, Lord, that was for me. I need it, Lord Jesus. It's not just a background noise. It's not just something to fill the time or to think good thoughts. But, Lord, let it be a life 
Because it is the, the, the words of eternal life today. To who else will we go, Lord? There is no other message, Lord Jesus. There is no other deliverance. There is no other overcoming. But Father, that is where the Spirit is. The life is, is where the Word of God is. The Spirit always comes to the Word. Father, we pray tonight that you do just that. Lord, come and speak the Word, Lord. And Father, may you back it up also with power and demonstration, Lord. Father, we just commit it to you, knowing only you can come and touch the hearts of the individual. In Jesus' name, we commit it to you. Amen. 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 I want to read a, it starts out as a very hard portion of Scripture, but I trust you'll bear with me tonight in my folly. I just, this is what God laid on my heart, and if we took for a title, it would be, this really is part four of the mind of the overcomer. But as a subtitle, my subtitle would be, follow me past your reasonings, or follow me beyond your reasoning. Don't just stop at your reasoning, but the Lord wants to take you into a deeper place, a higher place. And let's start in Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1. Sorry, I'm nervous. I didn't even tell you which scripture to turn to yet, but Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 10 says this, hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear unto the law of our God, you people of Gomorrah. We know that Jesus says, as it was in the days of Lot, so shall it be in the coming of the Son of Man. This scripture is once again pertinent, speaking to the people that are in this generation. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices unto me, saith the Lord? I am full of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed beasts, and I delight not in the blood of bullocks or of lambs or of he goats. When ye come to appear before me, who hath required this at your hand to tread my courts? Bring no more vain oblations. Incense is an abomination unto me. The new moon and Sabbaths, the calling of assemblies, I cannot away with. It is iniquity, even the solemn meeting. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hateth. They are a trouble unto me. I am weary to bear them. And when you spread forth your hands, I will hide mine eyes from you. Yea, when ye make many prayers, I will not hear. Your hands are full of blood. Notice the blood is in the wrong place. It's all over the hands. It's supposed to be upon the heart. But he says there's something wrong. The blood got in the wrong place. Your hands are full of it. He says, I won't even hear your prayers. I won't even answer. Though you make many prayers... What a generation we're living in today, where there's more denominations than there's ever been before. There's more churches than there's ever been before. There's more ideologies than there's ever been before. But what is it? It's all in vain because they've left off the truth. And it says this in verse, verse 16, it says, wash you, make you clean, put away the evil of your doings from before mine eyes, Cease to do evil, learn to do well, seek judgment, revile the oppressed, judge 
or relieve the oppressed, sorry, relieve, that's a big difference, you relieve and revile. <laughs> and he says, judge the fatherless, plead for the widow, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be as white as snow, though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. If you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword, for the mouth of the Lord hath spoken it. Amen. May the Lord add blessing to the word. You may be seated. Amen. I want to take a, a step back tonight, and we'll just start maybe in the negative, but to go to the positive. And I just want to make mention of, you know, we have so much today, so many voices, so many ideas, so many thoughts. And really the thoughts of the world today have become more and more in line with the thoughts of hell. They've become evil continually. Brother Branham says in the message Faith in Prince Albert, Saskatchewan, he says a real born-again child of God loves the Word and stays with the Word and with the Bible. I thank the Lord for this next statement. He says, God help you Canadians. Don't never let that American pollution get in here. And that's right. Where did it come from? Then he stops and changes it. He says, where did you get it from? America. Where does America get it? From Hollywood. Where did Hollywood get it? From hell. That's exactly what it's at. Now, that's exactly where we're back and where we're at today, where in 1956, Brother Branham would make these statements, don't ever let these things come into Canada, but he realized they're already here. And they're here just as bad today as they are in America, where the ideologies of Hollywood, which has come from the very pit of hell, that has fogged the minds of men. Where now the very thoughts of the individuals and the governments and things are thoughts that are aligning with the ideologies of the devil, of hell. See, well, you really are starting in the negative tonight, aren't you, Brother Andrew? Yeah, I am, and I don't apologize for it. Because it needs to come to this place, because as we read in Isaiah chapter 1, it begins to address and it begins to say, Sodom and Gomorrah, they've already been destroyed for hundreds of years before Isaiah, but now he comes out again and says, you rulers of Sodom, you rulers of Gomorrah, you people, you leaders of a people that are a sinful people. They become up an abomination before God, yet they were still doing sacrifices. They were still sacrificing the, 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 the bullocks and the rams and the lambs, and they were still sacrificing the he goats, and they were still doing it exactly according to the laws of Aaron. But something had gone wrong where it had become a formality and it had become a tradition instead of becoming the Word of God lived out by the individual, lived out. From the hearts and done in love and done in true repentance, but rather it's been done as just something that we have to do, something that has to be done, and we have to go about this way. But we know even today that if we go back, I want to go back right to the beginning. If you take your Bibles and go with me to Genesis chapter 2, before I get going too much, maybe we'll just lay a bit more of a foundation. Very familiar to any message believer in Genesis chapter 3. Sorry, sister, I didn't give you this one. Genesis chapter 3, verse 1. And we'll read to verse 5. It says, 
Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. And the woman said unto the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God hath said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Amen. Right up to that point, she was exactly speaking the truth. Where God told her, don't eat of the tree of knowledge of both good and evil. But the serpent said unto her, ye shall not surely die. For God doth know that in the day you eat thereof, when your eyes shall be opened, you shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Oh my. Where he begins to, to, to put out a thought. Where, where, where are these thoughts coming from? She perhaps had uh, conversations with the serpent many a times, but never in a time where now he's under an anointing. And the anointing is that Lucifer had come down, and Lucifer was anointing him to say these words and to get her to doubt the word of God, to get her to go about this way. Where was his thoughts were influenced from the one who hell was created for? The serpent's thoughts was coming back. And it wasn't that hell's thoughts were just all about uh, just a horrible thing. But it was so bad that it was just to take the word of God and just dilute it a little bit. Just change it a little bit. And that was the enemy of God. That's as simple as perversion is. I've said it before and I'll say it again. Perversion isn't just the horrible acts and heinous acts of sins. But perversion is simply to take the word of God and change one word and you've perverted it right there. And the thoughts of Satan began to be input into the human race through the serpent just to take and twist the word of God to make it something it doesn't really mean. To take it to taint the pure word till it just taint the word anymore. But we find it to taint the reasonings, to taint them to, to the reasonings of Satan. Where he was okay with just being, he wasn't okay, sorry, with just being number two. He was up in heaven. He was the first angel created. He was there. God was over all. He was the morning star and he was right there beside him. But he became jealous because he wanted something more than what God said he could have. He wanted to take the word of God and just twist it just a little bit. To take him from being number two to number one. To take him from being the son of the morning star to being the God. Worship like God. And he wants to take the thoughts and he begin to inject it to begin to make you think it doesn't really matter. You can think in your own way. It doesn't matter till, till the thoughts of man has become as completely today lost the respect and the fear of God. The reasonings of man becomes the wisdom of man when they begin to get together. I want you to follow me on this. For a few moments. Because man in all of their wisdom. Has done things that man calls great. We know what the, what the prophet had to say about this. Is God calls it foolish. But in all the wisdom of man. They get together in their groups. Or perhaps they have a think group. Or perhaps it comes from the mind of someone. They consider to be a great individual. Someone with a lot of money. Or someone with a lot of power. And a lot of influence. 
But they begin to think upon these things and we know that the reasonings of man because I, I'm dealing tonight with, with what I want to go to is Holy Spirit filled believers and how the mind ought to operate. But right now we want to deal on the mind realm where we have, we know, and I've been dealing with this a long time, a reasoning and an imaginations and a conscience and an affections and a memory and all of them are inter interconnected and they affect one another. You can't just simply sit in your reasonings and say I'm just reasoning something out and I'm just in my reasoning faculty it's 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 influenced by your memory it's influenced by your affections it's influenced by your conscience it's influenced by by your memory and then your imagination all of these things it is influenced by what's happened to you and so when men get together in all of their great wisdom they begin to uh their reasonings becomes influenced by history they look at the past failures and successes of man. I just happened to watch something the other day on, on the Tesla turbine and how they thought it was so great, but it was so powerful. It was just a little bit too powerful, and they couldn't really get it to work quite properly and with the materials we have on earth. But they look back at a man that was so great in all of his mind that now they think they have some of the technology to create what he made and what he invented. And that's the wisdom of man. That's as far as they can go. But in that, it becomes influenced not just by... By that but then because they have an imagination that they begin to think towards the future of the world and they want to make a better world for generations to come how many times have you heard that in the news these days think about your children with global warming think about the life that they're going to have to live your children's 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 billions of years it's too much for me to think about but that's the wisdom of man but they, they, they thought about this in their imaginations of what could become and what could be. And because of their affections and their love of money and their love of rights. They've thought up all of their, their groups and their rights groups and how they're going to come about at certain things. And how they're going to take a certain angle. And that's the wisdom of man. And they begin to be influenced, things begin to influence the so-called wisdom of man that when they try to run it through their conscience, but today their conscience has been seared with a hot iron by the influences of Hollywood, of hell. That it leaves the individuals with no compass of right or wrong. Not even within themselves, outside of the word of God. Outside of what God said. They don't even have a moral compass anymore. You heard about this morning, well, we got a, a prime minister that he's part of that generation, so we make it all legal and they do all their thing. Why? Because he's, his conscience has been seared. So to him to make this idea where he's got this wisdom because of a love for money. Because of a love for people's rights. That we ought to have a right to do this. We ought to have a right to do that. That they'll make laws in their great wisdom that destroy and decay the moral fabrics of society. It's all but filthy rags in the sight of God. But we know in Luke chapter 17 verse 26 it says, As it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the Son of Man. What were they doing? They did eat, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed them all. If you go to Genesis chapter 6 and verse 5, it talks about the days of Noah and it says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that their every imaginations of the thought of his heart was only evil continually. 
that that was the way the thoughts of man had become to, from the Garden of Eden till Noah had decayed so bad till finally there was no more thought of God. There was no more thought of, of what, what, would, what about God? And I have a fear and I have a respect for something more. But there was one man who had three sons and they were married and he was married. Eight souls. And that was it. We've had for the last year and a half about a global pandemic. You can call it whatever you want. It doesn't bother me. But not one mention from the best wisdom of man that maybe we should turn to God. Not one time did our courts turn and say, maybe we ought to pray and ask God for help. Maybe we ought to turn and maybe we ought to get on our knees and say, Lord, what do you think? Maybe we ought to look into the word of God. No, they looked at their own think groups, their own wisdom. Instead of turning to God, their wisdom of man was to shut the church doors if they didn't adhere to the wisdom of man. So that's hard, Brother Andrew, but I'm just telling you the way it is. Because we've all been watching it, we've all been thinking it. That's exactly what they've been doing. They've been trying to put it, and that's their best wisdom. And I pray for them, and I pray God would just continue to maybe give them a little bit more wisdom in the things they're doing. We thank the Lord that it's, it's finally coming to an end by the grace of God, really. But, but the reasoning of man and all of their wisdom turned to medical science. And that has been made to look foolish time and again while combating this devil that we call COVID. It has been made to look foolish. I've seen the videos come out of India. I've seen where it's come out of South America. I've seen what's happened in the States. I've seen what happened in our own city where we got the medical system is overrun and they're, they're scared. Why are they so scared? Because they forgot that there's a God that could stop the whole thing and instead they've turned to their own wisdom to walk in their own way to say I'll go about it my own way and forget God because now the thoughts of man has become continually evil let me just say I'm thankful that God allowed a vaccine to be created that has put the minds of the government at ease to allow the children of God to gather together as we watch the end time draw nigh I'm thankful to be put together with each one of you. I'm thankful to be here with you tonight. But my faith has never been in the wisdom of man. And it never will be. My faith isn't looking to it to say, well, the government announced. Well, we'll see. Because they've announced a lot of things. But I've got faith in one thing, and that's God. And it hasn't changed. And that God hasn't changed since he spoke the world into existence. And he never will change. When he says you're healed, you're healed. When he said you're free, you're free. When he said by my stripes, you're already healed. It's over. But we've come, become diluted by the wisdom of man to say, but we could just run to a medical system. But God has allowed a pandemic to come to make it look foolish. Why have they done this? Because Hollywood. Because the smoke that has arisen from the bottomless pit has clouded the minds of men to where they can't think beyond their own reasoning. 
Their best thought of wisdom has come so in line with the thoughts of Satan. To say, oh, you won't surely die. We're going to continue in medical science. We'll know both good and evil. We'll be able to do this and that. We'll be able to accomplish this and that. Just like it was. So, said, Andrew, how are you sure? Why? Because we are going back to everything that Adam lost. And I can guarantee you that there's a copy. There's a counterfeit. There's somebody named Lucifer that's going back to the same tactics because he sees there's a people that have gone back to the original seed and he knows what caused the original seed to fall. So he's going to try the same tactics again. But there's a bride that won't fall. <laughs> Hallelujah. But here we are. Till there's great leaders in the world, so-called, stare down the end of time. And they know it's the end. They just want to be like boys whistling in the graveyard saying it's a billion years off. It's two billion years off. When they know and they recognize we're at the end of time. Judgment is at hand, and the best wisdom man has is, you shall not surely die. In the message of the evening, messenger, Brother Benham says, civilization come like a great rift from the east, picking up sin all the time as it come, till she hit the west coast like a sound barrier, and she's fallen back in the most corruptible place. The most corruptible place that I know of is the west coast. Anything you want to think of now, I want you to say this. Don't think of it, oh, it's all down there. It's all on the West Coast. It's all in California. It's all, we're just a couple hundred miles away. We're just right there where it's spread throughout America. It's spread throughout Canada. It's spread throughout Mexico. It's spread throughout South America. It's spread throughout Africa. It's spread throughout the East, through Europe. It's all over the place. They couldn't even leave Antarctica alone. They had to take sin down there too. Civilization. He says anything you want to think of, they got it. Sin, corruption, divorce, marrying, Hollywood, the very whole of hell. That's exactly right. I believe in real Bible holiness. Genuine Bible holiness. I do not believe in this corruption of rotten stuff that sets an example before our people called Hollywood. I've always been against it. And I think a man that has got the Spirit of God would be against it. Because the Spirit of God would testify that it's wrong to him. Amen. Amen. And that's still the truth today. If you got the Spirit of God in you, it will testify anything that comes out of there is wrong. I'm not interested in tantalizing with it. I'm not interested in flirting around the edges with it. I'm not interested in getting as close to the pit of hell as I can. I'm interested in going the other direction. I'm interested in heavenly places, as far away from that pit as I can be. Let me just change gears a bit here, Brother Branham. Preaches a message called God's provided way of approach to fellowship. And he spends about a third of the message on the waters of separation. That was amazing. Brother Ed started preaching about it this morning. I thought, Brother Ed, you just keep going. You do a better job than me. That's not what I thought. I thought, you're walking over my surface. 
But he spent about a third of the message on the waters of separation. It almost seems, how can you preach separation in a message about fellowship? Fellowship, two fellows in one ship. It takes two, and here he preaches about separation. Let me just drop in. It isn't a separation from one another. Rather, it's a separation from your own thoughts, your sinful first nature, and its ideas, and its ambitions. In Isaiah, we read about reasoning. Come and let us reason together, saith the Lord. But what does reasoning have to do with washing away of sins? It almost seems contradictory. What does the reasonings have to do with washing away of sins? And though your sins be as scarlet, they'll be white as snow. What would that have to do with anything? Well, but, but reasoning is not reasoning with the word. It's the reasoning of the word. In other words, it's not the reasoning of your mind against the word of God, but rather it's the word of God has become your reasoning. In Isaiah 43, 26, it says it this way, Put me in remembrance. Let us plead together. Declare thou that thou mayest be justified. What is the reasoning? Come and let us reason. Put God into remembrance. Pick up the word of God. Put him back into remembrance. The statement that we read in Isaiah chapter 1, where it says, Reason together, saith the Lord. That statement there actually comes from one word in the Hebrew of Yaqah. I can speak Hebrew. Yaqah. Which if you notice, there's a big, strong H at the end of that. Which H is significant in the Hebrew language. We've heard it before. I'm not going to preach on it again. It's actually a primitive root. That word is a primitive root word in Hebrew. In other words, it doesn't go back any further. The buck stops here, so to speak. This didn't come from something else. This is the root of it all. The reasonings of God. And it comes with a strong H, which we know that the H is the breath of God. Every time you say it, you're saying it with the breath of God. Where it says that the words that you're speaking, if your reasoning is the reasoning of the Lord, it's as good as God speaking it. And it says that when what did God add to Abram and Sarai? Right? He added an H to Abraham and Sarah. So that way they had a part of God in them. And God is talking, come and let us reason together. Because the generation had come so bad till they left God out. He says, I want to bring God and put him back in. Not just into the heart, but into the mind, into your reasonings. Put God in your reasonings. Come and let us reason this way. The call actually means, by the meaning of what they take it, it's not to argue, but rather it has a very, very minor meaning of argue, but it actually means in the main meaning of it is to reprove, rebuke, correct, and chasten. It doesn't sound like the reasonings of man. But let God's thoughts chasten yours. Come and let us reason this way. You'll see the atonement for sin at that point. That your sin, your red stains of sin are white in the eyes of God through the blood. 
Brother Branham says, and God's provided a way of approach to fellowship. He said, if you're sitting here now and never met Jesus in your life, just apply the simple little faith that brought you to the building tonight. The simple faith that you realize that you got in a car, you got on a bus, or you got in a taxi, or whatever it was, or on a bike, or you walked, and you had faith that you're going to be here tonight. That same simple faith, take that faith and apply the blood. You don't have to go to school and know some great theology or say some great long creeds and speak names and uh, that's the one that's given it to you, doesn't know what it means. Oh my, help us if we ever get that way as preachers. We're saying words to you that we don't even know what it means. The only thing you have to know is to know that Jesus died to have sinners, to save sinners. And his blood washes you white as snow. That's it. Simple, childlike faith. If you're sick, you see the working of the Holy Spirit. Don't think you have to say, oh, Brother Jones, Brother Andrew, Brother Ed, Brother Brother Moses, they have to pray for me to have faith, to have more faith. He said, you've got it. You just take the simple hyssop weed just found everywhere and apply the blood. Oh, God, that's it. Because it's Satan that has influenced your reasonings to cause you to believe in his thinking. He's influenced individuals to say you can't go farther with God because of your sins and iniquity of the past. How can you go farther? Don't you know where you came from? You can't go anywhere. This is all God's got for you. What does reasoning have to do? With the washing away of sins. Because of the washing by the water of the word. So that seems like a real big gear change. Stay with me. If your thinking becomes the word, then the thoughts of evil and sin just begin to be pushed out. Because light and darkness cannot coexist. If you allow God then to revelate your reasoning with the word, then you would see the lies of the enemy have no meaning before God because the blood of the lamb has already caused those sins he's trying to remind you of to be white as snow. That they no more have any any visual effect or any thought before God that when he reminds them God just looks at us and says what are you talking about that never did happen that never did because you're justified because when a sinner comes to God and repents thoroughly and has godly sorrow for sin it's over he says now the unbeliever coming in first thing he did he had to do is just like he comes to the waters of separation first to be separated. What does he come? Faith come by hearing. He begins to talk about the tabernacle. He begins to talk about how there's an outer court, there's an inner court, and there's the holiest of holies. When a sinner comes in, he comes to the waters of separation. That's in the outer court. It must be kept in a clean place, though. And the word of God must be kept in a clean place. A dirty heart has no place for the word of God. It should be kept in a true, unadulterated heart that's separated from the things of the world. If you love the world or the things of the world, the love of God's not even in you, the scripture says so. 
So listen, it's not even that, you know, you just take it and you say, well, listen, I've, I've come so far. But he says, you've got to separate yourself from the very love of the world. You can't just separate yourself. It doesn't say separate yourself from the people. You can't have friends out there. You can't have this out there. You can't have that out there. No, separate yourself from the things. Separate yourself from the love of the world. Get rid of that desire for the things of the world. You've got to clean it out because the Word of God won't be kept in a filthy, dark place. It can't be in that kind of place because it is light. It is cleanliness. It is holiness. It is truth. And it can't coexist with darkness because light always drives out darkness. goes even farther than that. Really, you'll find this. I won't turn to it today. I was thinking about it, but we won't for the sake of time. It's in Numbers chapter 19 and verse 1. Where the scriptures talk about the waters of separation. And Brother Bannon would talk to us. He says, then cedar wood. Cedar is wet, red or white. He says, we all know that red through red makes white. And scarlet. Scarlet, hyssop, and cedar wood. What was scarlet? Scarlet was, was, was the ram's wool dyed in the blood. Created scarlet. And you take that and you took the cedar wood which was red. And you took the, the, the hyssop, the simple faith. And you put it together in with the sacrifice. And he says that you put it with the red heifer and you burn it together mixed with water. That was the water and the ashes. Now the water speaks of the spirit and the ashes speaks of the word. And then the word and the spirit get together. Something takes place. I want you to catch something here for a moment. How many's ever doused a fire before with water? Thank you. So you know what it looks like. It's gross. Nowhere do you think, I'm going to dive in there because that looks appetizing. It's a murky, mucky, messy ashes and water and sloppy. That's what's happening. Pour it in the water. You got ashes, white ashes, and you got the, the, the water. And he says, but when you get the two together, something begins to take place. When you get the Spirit and the Word of God together, something begins to take place. And he says, when the true spirit of God can come in on the word that's being preached, faith comes by hearing, hearing the word, and the true spirit of God gets a hold of the word, it'll manifest every promise that God ever made. It'll bring it to pass. See, the right mental attitude towards any divine promise of God will bring it to pass. How many times have you heard that preached? I couldn't count on all my fingers and toes. It's more than I could possibly get. I've heard it preached over and over, the right mental attitude, the right mental attitude. But still we get to thinking that because I'm born again, instantly everything's going to be great. No, it's something in the mind that you've got to change your reasoning and allow God to take over your reasoning so that you can have the right mental attitude. What happened with Eve? She got out from behind the word. She lost the right mental attitude. When she partook of that fruit up until the moment that she partook, she was still in her theophany body. But she lost the right attitude. And she began to think, well, maybe he's right. Come, let us reason. Try the word. Try the word. Put the word of God to the test. 
with the Spirit and with faith. You can't just do it and say, all right, God, this is your word, do it. No, that's where denominations are at. God says it's going to happen, it'll happen, and we don't have to worry about nothing. He's just in control. Everything's wonderful. Praise God. We go on loving everybody. Everything's going to be great. We do the best we can. We try and live good. And we, no, it's not about that. He says, you've got to take the hyssop, the scarlet, and the cedar wood. You've got to put it in with the sacrifice. You've got to separate yourself. Those are the waters of separation that he's talking about. Say, so you've got to separate yourself. How do you do it? Simple faith and the blood of Jesus Christ. Take the word, believe it, live it. If you're willing and obedient to the word of reason, if you're willing and obedient to the word of reason, then you shall eat the good of the land. We read that in Isaiah chapter one. You shall have the gifts manifest in your midst. Or it says in Isaiah chapter 1, verse 19, if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat the good of the land. Now you could take it and say the water is a separation because if you read Numbers chapter 19, it talks about a priest being washed. And you could say, well, that's only for the priest. That's for the ministers, Brother Andrew. We don't have to do that because we're just a laity. Well, that's a Nicodemian spirit right there. Because it puts the ministers up above and puts everyone else down below. But listen, in 1 Peter chapter 2, it says this, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Oh my, that you should show forth the praises of him. Think about it. You sisters, when you have your long hair and it's a revelation to you and you're wearing your skirts and you brothers that are in 28, 30 degree weather and you say, no, I'm still going to dress in a good pair of pants. I'm not going to put on those shorts because something means something to me. I'm not going to have the long hair. I'm not going to do those things. But you sisters that refuse to cut, that's giving glory to God. It's showing that you're a peculiar person. You're part of a royal priesthood that shows forth the praises of God. It's so simple. When you speak the word of God on your lips, you're giving praises to God. Oh, and he says, in light and darkness can't coexist. He has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He had to call you out of darkness, separate you from the darkness within each one of us, each individual by our sinful first birth. We were in darkness. We were all in times past. But God called us out. But God chose us. But God gave us a waters, a separation that we just need to step into it and wash away all the sin. To bring us into his marvelous light. To enlighten our reasoning by the spirit of God mixed with the truth of the word. If you're following Christ, you're following right into the holies of holies. If you're following him, you won't just stay there in the outer court and say I'm separated now from all my thoughts and ideas. You need to go beyond that. You need to step through the waters of separation, but you need to even go into the inner court and you need to even go in through sanctification and you need to be cleaned and set aside for service. But if you're really following Christ, you will go in to the Shekinah glory of God. You can't stay out of it. The bride follows the head because the bride is the body of Christ. He is the head. We are the body. 
Wherever the head goes, my body follows. Wherever my head is at, my body's going to be there. I can't be somewhere else. I can't separate the two. So wherever Christ is, if you're a part of the body, if you're born into the body of Christ by one spirit, you're baptized into the body. Then you're going where he's going and where's he at? Oh my. He's in a little room. Called the third pole. He told the prophet, I'll meet you in there. He's in the Shekinah glory. The bride of Christ. We know that the priest, oh my, the priest, when it would go once a year into the holiest of holies, it would have to walk with the bells and the pomegranates and all these things. It would have to make a noise. It would have to make some noise. It would have to say something because otherwise people thought it was dead and they tied a rope around his waist and when he got dead, they'd pull him out. But praise be to God, as long as there was some noise going on, there was some life in there, and they knew something was taking place. That's the way it is when you get in the Shekinah glory with God. You can't be silent. You can't just sit there anymore and say, "Mm mm-hmm, that's good. It causes something within you that when the word of God is preached, it's something wells up in your heart because it's a lively religion. Oh my, and your life begins to cry out, holy, 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 them that are covered by the blood of the lamb, just like the type of the high priest. Says, you know, Brother Brown says, you know, they didn't make noise behind the curtain. The people didn't know if they were dead or alive. Oh Lord, may we never get like that. Where people are looking at the church going, are they dead or are they alive? You know, sometimes I thank God that we got enough lively, lively stones in the church. That we don't even need to put microphones right here. When we're streaming the services, I can hear you loud and clear saying amen. And that's awesome because God loves that. When someone gets a hold of a revelation and says, amen, preach the word of God, brother. It's a sign that we're still alive when men and women come under the power of the living God. It shows that there's still a living spirit within us making a noise, a glorious noise unto the Lord. Oh my, but when you're inside the holiest of holies, once a year a man went in there. But when our real sacrifice, Jesus Christ, died at Calvary, he rent the veil in two, making a way by his own blood that whosoever will can come into the Shekinah glory in the presence of the Holy Ghost and be filled with the power of Pentecost as they did after the veil had been torn down. Yellow, brown, black, white, male, female, Gentile, Jew. It doesn't matter. Whosoever will, let them come and drink from the fountain of the Lord. When they come into that Shekinah glory anointed with the Holy Spirit, then they got fellowship with God again and their sons and daughters of God. Hallelujah. Just because you've come separated, you said, well, I had to leave a lot, Brother Andrew. You don't understand. I had to leave all these things. I had to separate from that. I had to separate from that. That's good. Keep going. When a baby's born, it never, if it never cries, it never moves. There's something wrong with it. It's called a stillborn child. It's dead when it's born. What happens? The doctor picks him up by the heel, shakes him, and gives him a few little spanks, and a scream comes out, and the life comes in, and he continues to say, maybe that's what we need is a few more gospel spanks to say, aren't you going to make a noise? 
if you be willing and obedient, you shall eat of the good of the land. But if you refuse and rebel, you shall be devoured with the sword. For the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And what is the sword? The word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. What is the land? The land is a type of the new birth. Having crossed over from death into life, all the spiritual blessings of God apply to you then. When you come into that Shekinah glory of God, then the right mental attitude towards the divine promise of God will bring it to pass. Because there's a faith in you, there's something in you that's God. And all the great big bundles of grapes that you saw the Joshua's and the Caleb's, all those great things you heard testify. I just listened again to Brother Perry Green's testimony this weekend. It was a blessing. But all those great big grapes you heard him talk about, all the testimonies you heard from Brother Branham, all the great big grapes, all the great big clusters, all the great big figs and the fruits and the olives and all the good milk and honey flowing, all the minerals and the vitamins. It's yours then. But if you refuse it, the same word that gives one freedom condemns the other that refuses and separates Refuses to separate themselves to God and go into the Shekinah glory. Why? Because if you refuse it and refuse to go through the waters of separation to die out to all the ways you thought and all your conceived and preconceived ideas, all your thoughts, you cannot serve two masters. You can't serve that sinful nature and God. You can't serve God and man. You can't do it no matter how good that sinful nature might be and how well it might be toned and how good you've trained it to live by the do's and don'ts of the message. You still can't go all the way with God until you lay that dead thing down. Just to stay at the waters of separation, God says those sacrifices have become an abomination to me. Just to stay there and say, well, I, I laid this down, I laid that down, but I'm not going any further. God says, that's become an abomination to me. Well, you've just made it a tradition to say, well, I gave this up. Brother Bradham would talk about the, the Jades and the Sikhs and all the ones he was with over in India. And he began to talk about how all these, these religions, they begin to down-talk Christianity. How it was such a failure and whatnot. And we find, we know the, the story, how Brother Bradham, the man came up that was blind. And he said he was blind because he worshipped the sun. Because he thought that if he worshipped the sun, he'd go to heaven. And he thought that that was just the price to pay to get to heaven. And he makes this statement, what legalism? Where you think that because you do something, it'll get you to heaven. Only the grace of God. You've got to go beyond, Lord, I separated myself. Lord, I did all these things. I made myself a vessel. But now keep going. He wants individuals that will separate themselves from themselves and go on with God into the Shekinah glory. Go on into heavenly places in Christ. As the title says, follow me past your reasonings. Who are we following? The Lord Jesus Christ. When the entire word of God, Brother Benham says, in the God of this evil age, The entire word of God incomplete was headed up in a human body called Jesus Christ. 
in there, God made me pay for my sins. In him there. I'm reading this straight out of the message. Then he rose me, raised me up with him in the resurrection. Now let me say this. That is not the reasonings of a man. But that is a revelation straight from God to say, God made me pay for my sins in there because if I'm in Christ now, I always was in Christ. So who was paying for the sins on the cross that day? I was. You were. You were. You were. That your sins are already paid for and you've already died because one man who you were in was willing to go there. Oh, hallelujah. And not only that he was willing to pay for the sins, but that he raised up again. And when he raised, you raised with him. And you can no more die than God can die. He says, and now we are seated with him. With power and authority over every devil. Oh, if you could only believe what God has given. Hallelujah. If you can only believe what God has really given, and if you're not seated there and you don't have it, and if you're seated there and you don't believe it and afraid to move, you'll never use it. But if you are seated there, you will use it. For you're ordained to do what you do. Oh my, that ought to give us such a confidence. They say that you could take your reasoning somewhere else. I'm ordained to do what I'm doing. I'm ordained to walk in this age. I'm ordained to overcome in this age. God didn't call me to lose me. He didn't save me just so I could be lost. He didn't teach me the word of God to take it away from me. He gave me revelation so I could overcome in a day like today. And it almost makes it seem like it ought to be so simple. But yet he says in another message, perseverance, he says, you got to fight for every inch of the way. Amen. God down in Egypt, give Palestine to the Jews, but they fought every inch of the way. God told Joshua, everywhere the soles of your feet rest, that I give you. Footsteps meant victory, possession, and just as far as you can climb into the kingdom of God. If you just want to climb a little piece and say, well, I believe I may not have to go to hell because I believe that I'll be saved in the end if I just join the church. You ain't got much ground yet. But every promise in the Bible is yours. If you'll just have to, you'll just have to fight the devil and guard every devil away from it. With a two-edged sword and claim it for yourself. Be persistent. Be perseverant. What does he say? He's saying, listen, it's all yours. What God did for you, what God really gave you. Every redemptive promise is yours, Brother Ethan. But you're going to have to fight with the word of God. Every inch of the ground. He's not going to give you one inch. I got one good thing to say about the devil. He's a good adversary. That's it. He's also good at losing. There you go, that's two things. But just, this is just exactly where the reasonings of the word will take you to an overcoming life. When the devil comes against us like a flood, God says, I will raise up a standard. When it comes into your mind like a flood, something in you begins to well up and say, but God, but it is written. 
follow me past your reasonings. When it doesn't make sense to you anymore, how's God going to turn this one for his glory? Just follow Christ. Don't argue with the word. Just take it and allow it to become your thinking. Think about it. Peter out on the boat one day fishing all night. Never caught any fish. To the knowledge of a fisherman, perhaps he could think of reasons. Oh, maybe I did this wrong. Or maybe because of the way the moon is or because of the way that is or it's not raining and it's too still and it's this and that. That's why we didn't get it. No offense to anyone who's a fisherman, but they have a lot of excuses when they don't catch anything. I've talked to a few of them. When they catch something, woo! It's on fire. Praise God, I caught a fish. This is amazing when they don't catch anything. Well, that's just a lure. It was the fishing rod. No, you just didn't catch anything. Okay, I know the feeling. I've hardly caught anything in my life. It's easy to make those excuses and maybe the reasonings of Peter. He was a, a trained and a well-taught uh, well fisherman that he would think of, oh, it was this or oh, it was that. But now here comes Jesus, a man he'd never met before, said, cast your net down again. And he could say, it makes no sense at all. Why would I do this? It makes no sense. Why would I? I've been out all night. Don't you understand? Nothing's changed. And you say, cast it again. I'm tired. My arms are tired. I've been casting and pulling and casting and pulling for nothing. He said, just do it one more time. It made no sense at all. But he had to put his thoughts aside. Take the word of God. And he saw the power of God come on the scene. And what that same God say? Just come follow me. I'll make you fishers of men. There won't be no excuses with that. The same man years later, Peter, full of the Holy Ghost, walking through the streets. People dragged out their sick just to have his shadow pass across them so they could be healed. Let me tell you, it made no sense at all. Every doctor could look at it and they could say, how does it make any sense of someone's shadow? Maybe he had a few impersonators with him. Maybe this the sun's just in the right place. We'll just get this. doesn't work. Oh, man. It just doesn't make any sense. But it was God. Because a man had gone beyond his own reasonings and realized that it's not how I think. It's what God says. Come follow me. There was a time in Brother Branham's life. He was up in the Colorado mountains hunting. We know the story. They said there's a storm coming. They all chose to stay. And he went up there and said, if it ever starts to just a little bit of snow, you make for camp as fast as you can. Because in just a few minutes, you won't be able to see your hand in front of you. So he's out there and he's, it, it starts coming. And it starts coming out. He starts making for camp. And a voice says, turn around and go back. He was an experienced hunter. He was an experienced guy. He knew, I can't be up here in this. It doesn't make sense for me to turn around and go back. His own reasonings was, am I going crazy? Is the wind speaking to me? Am I going to go on an, what they call a death march again? But the voice said, turn around and go back. He had to lay down all his own thinking. So it must have been easy. No, it wasn't easy for him. He stopped, he sat down, he ate a sandwich. Like, you know, maybe by then this will go away. We'll, we'll make sure. And he started down again, and the voice said, turn around and go back. Oh, I better turn around and go back now. He was dedicated enough to God that he knew, I better listen. This is more than just wind. This is the Holy Ghost talking. 
And what happened? He saw the power of God. Speak to the storm. A manifestation of the third pole. And that thing, that storm turned around and went right back the way it came. Why? Because a man got out of his own reasonings and said, Come and let us reason, saith the Lord. He got the reasonings of God that said, You don't have to worry about the laws of nature. I am the one that speaks to the storm. I'm the one who spoke to the water. I'm the one that created the heavens and earth. I'm the one. Let my reasoning be your reasoning. Oh my, come follow me. He recognized the power of Mark eleven twenty three. 23, whatsoever you say. Why? Because he got his own reasonings aside. And Jesus said, just walk with me. The rich young ruler, it didn't make sense to him why God wanted him to give up all his wealth. It just didn't make sense. He thought maybe he could have used it to further the gospel. He could have sponsored missionaries. He could have built the finest churches. He could have provided food and shelter for many. He could have done all these things, but God didn't need that. God said, come and follow me. That's all I'm asking you to do. Take your reasoning. Get rid of it. Charles Finley, I believe it was Charles Finney that was out one night praying in the woods. And he was out there praying and trying to seek in the Lord. And he heard a twig snap and he just jumped up right. <clears throat> Who's there? Then something dropped in his heart and he recognized, if I was talking to my boss, I wouldn't care. If I was talking to somebody else, I wouldn't care who saw me. But I'm talking to my Lord. He put aside his reasoning. He got filled with the Holy Ghost and led thousands to God. Just come follow me. Oh, God is going to have a perfect spotless bride in such a sinful, deceiving age. How he's going to do it, it's not my concern. But he said he would. Just come follow me. Brother Branham says, he says, what's he trying to do today? He doesn't just heal people just because he can heal. He's trying to get to you that he's the resurrection. That he can make you well. He can raise your body up. But a man that's willing to understand, that's willing to just sit down, come and let us reason together, saith the Lord, that's willing to just sit down on the line of learning, he'll get something from the Lord. If he's willing to separate himself and come into the Shekinah glory and say, God, teach me. You can hardly be associated with God without being associated with his power because when you're associated with him, then you're acquainted with him or a relative of, to him, and then you have his power in you. Oh, my. There was somebody one day, a couple brothers that were down there in a prison, Paul and Silas, and they were down there in the worst of situations, but they got their reasonings aside that they begin to perhaps think at the beginning and say, how are we going to do this? How are we going to get out of this? I don't understand. What are we going to do? But something began to move on their heart. They began to talk about the Lord. You remember what happened the other day? Maybe we got arrested, but you know what? Someone got saved. Praise God. Oh, let's sing a little chorus. I'm so glad. I like the old time singing and shouting and preaching and praying. And then something happened that now all of a sudden the earth began to shake. The jail cells begin to rattle. Why? They put aside their reasoning. They took the reasoning of God. They said, even though I make my bed in hell, you are there. Oh, my. God made the only provision, the only basis of restoration to that blessed eternal fellowship that was through the blood of an innocent victim. 
God made a way back to fellowship. The only basis that God ever had or has now or ever will have back to the relationship and fellowship with God is through the shed blood of an innocent victim. He says that makes me feel religious knowing that there is a way and there is a way that God provided. And that way that God provided, that God provided this way because God is love and love demands a fellowship. Oh, hallelujah. God's not just interested in you just being out there somewhere. He says, come, have fellowship with me. Think upon my word. Let my thoughts, let my word be your thoughts. Amen. Oh, my. Look, he says, and God's provided a place of worship. It quickened their bodies. On the day of Pentecost. Till they flew so close to heaven. Till it quickened their body. Till they could speak in a language they never heard of before. It quickened their bodies. They spoke in a new heavenly language. They were quickened into the presence of God by the baptism of the Holy Ghost. God's quickening power baptized them into it. That's where, that's, they were in the place of worship then. They were where they could worship. Oh, think about it. That's real worship. God says, come. That is reason. Oh, your sins be as scarlet. They'll be white as snow. I'm not interested in the worship of traditions. I'm not interested in the worship of just some sacrifice. I'm interested in you coming further right into the Shekinah glory because I've made a way that you could come and have fellowship with me again. That your thoughts could be my thoughts. That your ways could be my ways. He says, oh my, the Sanhedrin or nothing else could ever bother them because they were quickened, they were a new people, they were baptized. Oh my, think about it, little Stephen. He come into God's provided way, was quickened by the power of God, coming to the gate, God's provided way, and even when they went to kill him, stoned him to death, he said, I see the heavens open. Jesus standing at the right hand of God, that's quickening power. Oh, praise be to God. I'm not interested in just coming back to church, saints. I'm interested in a quickening power that'll take a people and cause them to shout out. Even in the worst of times, I see the heavens open. You might say that, oh, there's such a fog, there's such a smog over the land. Yes, there is. But there's a people that have risen above it. The Sanhedrin council was the best wisdom that man had to offer at the time. But that couldn't touch the wisdom of God. They couldn't understand what was going on. They thought we killed this whole thing when we got Jesus. That was the best their wisdom could do. But out comes 120 out of an upper room. And in one day, 3,000 souls were added. That's the wisdom of God. That's the quickening power. That's what the kinds of things that happens when you take your reasoning, you just lay it aside. Say, God, I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know how this is all going to happen. But God's going to do it. It didn't make sense to them, but God never called anyone to make sense of it all. He said, come follow me. Step out of your reasonings tonight. Step out of your safety nets. Let go. Let God have his way.
And you just watch God do something for you as the musicians come. Let's stand to our feet. We need more of the quickening power tonight. We need more of God. I'm not interested in coming right up and stopping. I want to live in the Shekinah glory. I want to live with God. I want to live in his presence, don't you? So I've walked a long way in this, Brother Andrew. I've seen a lot. That's good. Praise the Lord. Let's keep going. God's got more. This message, Brother Ram died 50 plus years ago. We know more today than we did the day he died. We got more revelation today than we did back then. Why? Because God's been revealing it to the bride. More and more and more and more. As we come into the maturity of the believers and manifested sons begin to come forth, what's happening? There's a mature bride It's taking her place. It's a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. Why? Washed in the blood of the Lamb. Do you hear them coming, brother? Why don't we sing that together? Amen. We'll just wait for the words here, I guess, unless you know the words. Do you hear the coming, brother? Thronging up the steeps of light. Clad in glorious shining garments. Blood-washed garments pure and white. Oh, tis a glorious church without spot or wrinkle. Washed in the blood of the Lamb. Tis a glorious church without spot. 